everyone. Hope that you all had a great Christmas. Uh, it's great to, to be back together again. Um, if you are new with us, I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor. Um, again, just want to welcome you. And for those of you that are watching online, uh, great to, uh, to see you as well. And, uh, you know, we've been talking the last few weeks about the hope that we have um, in Jesus and the thrill of hope that that brings. Um, and I also want to, to talk today, though, because we are looking at this as being the last Sunday of the year. And so it only makes sense to talk about hope for the future. And so when we talk about our hope for the future, um, I, I, I think about some times when maybe my hope for the future was, um, was down a little bit. I know that in this time that we're, we're living through and we're going through that um, our, our hope for the future is... Um, uh, wishy-washy to put it at, at best, I suppose. And, and there's been times where we, I think, have all had um, a little bit of a bleak outlook on, on what the future would be. But um, I, I think about a time uh, when I was, I, I think I was a sophomore, junior in high school. And um, one, of my, one of my best friends uh, decided, uh, you know, we, we were gonna, um, he, was, he was staying over and, and we decided that evening that we were gonna uh, go out and uh, decorate someone's house um, with what is now basically currency, toilet paper. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the value of it wasn't nearly what it is today um, at the time. And so we decided that we were going to do this at like 1.30, 2 in the morning. And so we snuck out of the house, um, out, of, uh, out of my house. I put my car in neutral and we like pushed out into the road and pushed it down the road and um, and then jumped in and started up because my, my parents are at least at that moment, they had no idea um, what we were doing. And so we, uh, we get going. And as you do when you're out that late, we're teenagers. Um, we were hungry because we're teenage boys and uh, you're always hungry. And so there are limited places to stop at 1.30 or 2 in the morning to get some food. Because, you know, we wanted to be well nourished before we went to decorate someone's house. And so our options are limited. So of course you stop at Taco Bell because um, where else would you stop? So we go to Taco Bell and it was a little chilly out that night. And so we pull in the parking lot and we decided we were going to run in to get the tacos um, before we went out. And um, I'm like, well, I'm just, it's, it's cold out. So I'm going to leave my car running. And so, uh, yeah, you probably know where this is going. So I left my car running and we run in, we get the tacos and we come out and my car's locked. It's still running. My car's locked. My keys are in it. I had the habit of when I get out of my car, I, you know, I, I lock the door. Um, and so I locked my keys in my car with the car running. So I had no choice but to call my dad and, uh, and let him know so that he could bring me the extra key. And uh, you know, I'm like, Dad, we're at Taco Bell. I locked my key in my car. He's like, why are you not in your room? And um, so that was a whole another conversation um, because my hope for the future at that moment was not thrilling. I did not have a thrilling outlook on the future. And because of my bad decisions, my future hope looked a lot like quarantine. And it ended up basically being that um, for sure for a while. But, you know, we all have plans for the future and we have plans of what, what we think uh, we would like to do and where we want to go and, and our, our hope for the future and and what we would like to see happen, and then something happens, and it's something um, unexpected, possibly. Things don't go the way that we thought they would. Um, 
They don't play out the way that we thought they might. And then your hope fades and you start to go into recovery mode and you go into this, well, I guess I'll just make the best of it um, outlook. And sometimes the circumstances are inevitable and sometimes they are uh, caused from our poor choices. Sometimes they're not. Um, Oftentimes, though, a lot of the reason that we react the way that we do is because we've put our hope in a place that it shouldn't have been to begin with. And so I guess I want to ask you, where was your hope truly when you think about circumstances where your hope has faded? Maybe over the course of this year and over the things that have gone on, maybe your hope has begun to fade and you feel like you don't have a whole lot. And so I I guess I need to ask, where was your hope truly there? Because when we talk about a thrill of hope, as we've been talking about, we're talking about an expectation for uh, for things to get better, an expectation for the future, for things to, to turn around. There are a lot of people in this world that are looking, especially into 2021, when we think about that, are looking to be rescued, looking to be told that everything's going to be okay, looking uh, to, to, for, for hope somewhere. And they're looking to this world for hope. And, the, and they're looking to the wrong places for hope. And, and the way in which Jesus came and the way that God sent Jesus to us, as we've talked about, um, I, would, I would say that one of, the, one of the main reasons for him sending Jesus the way that he did was to bring us hope and to bring us hope because of Jesus. And that thrill of hope, not just for now, but for the future and for looking into the future and into what is to come and not just into the next couple of months, but, but I mean even on a, on a broader scale and on a bigger scope. We all need that right now. But my fear is that a lot of people are, are looking to the wrong places, and we, we as the church can lead that in terms of pushing people to Jesus and to be looking to Jesus for our hope because God has been sitting there with hope the entire time during all of this that's been going on. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, explained why hope was so crucial to the human experience. He said this, even in the inevitable moments when all seems hopeless, men know that without hope, they cannot really live. And in agonizing desperation, they cry for the bread of hope. Now, don't forget Martin Luther King was first and foremost a pastor. This was a a man that loved Jesus and he loved people. And his uh, equating hope to bread, um, I have to believe, has that biblical connotation of Jesus as the bread of life. And talking about the, the bare minimum for nourishment in our life when he's referring to bread, people cannot live without that feeling that things are going to get better. If, if we don't have that, that feeling and that hope that things are gonna get better, that's when you see people fall, definitely fall off and go down places that you know, we hope that they never would. But that's why the Holy Spirit wants to bring us and fill us with hope. But that hope coming from the Holy Spirit is, is a different kind of hope. This isn't the kind of hope that, that the world has. It's not just an expectation of the weekend, or I hope that I can just make it through until this happens, or I can make it through to that point. Um, it's, it's, it's much more than that. The Holy Spirit wants more for us than that, wants us to carry more than just that kind of hope. There is a story in the New Testament, in the book of John chapter 8, which is where we're going to be today, that I think a lot of us can relate to in ways that maybe you didn't think you could. But I wanted to end this year, as this is our last service together, um, together in person and together online, this is our last service together um, of the year. And to me, it just makes perfect sense to look to a moment 
of Jesus bringing hope because we know that, that Jesus brings hope. But, but I want to look at a story of Jesus specifically speaking hope into the life of someone because I think we all need to hear that. And so to end the year with the words of Jesus, and we're going to begin the year next year, uh, next year with the words of Jesus as well when you, when you come in uh, next week, so be ready for that. But I want to look at this story in John chapter 8 that may be familiar to you, um, but I hope it has a, 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 a different kind of perspective for you today. So it's in John chapter 8. If you have your Bible app or, uh, or your physical Bible, turn with me there. I'm going to be in the NLT today with, uh, with this particular story, and here's what it says. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. So let's just stop there for for a quick second because there are some very interesting things about this. So when it comes to the, uh, the crime, as it was put here, of adultery, because that's the way it was looked at back then, it was, it was a, a crime with a capital punishment offense, um, the standard of evidence for this at the time was extremely high. So you had to have two people whose stories corroborated that were eyewitnesses to this event, right? So this is a private event. So to have two people who have the, the same story that, that lines up for this punishment to be carried out. So as you can imagine, this really wasn't a punishment that was carried out very often because of it being such a private offense. It would be nearly impossible to get that kind of evidence there. Yet, they drag this lady out in front of Jesus and accuse her of this and say that this is what needs to happen. And so clearly this was a setup for Jesus. But it doesn't mean that she wasn't guilty. Let me just say that. It doesn't mean that she wasn't guilty, but the way in which they were handling this, in fact, we, we know she was guilty because of the way that Jesus um, speaks to this here in a minute. But it doesn't mean that this was the right way to handle it. The way that, that they were handling this was despicable. But we see the demeanor of Jesus here. And I, loved the, I love the fact that Jesus is never taken back. He is, uh, he's never uptight. And he's, he, he almost is like not even concerned about this because he just, he just decides, oh, okay, uh, I'm going to draw in the dirt here for a minute while you guys are talking. And he just gets down and, and, and does this. And if, if you read some commentaries and if, if you read some studies on this, there are all kinds of, of studies and people that say that, well, maybe he was writing the names of, of all the accusers that were there and he was writing their names in the dirt and writing their sins next to them to kind of put it back on them so that they knew who he was or, or that he was, he was writing this or writing that or writing the Ten Commandments or something along those lines. And, and while I respect all of those different you know, theologians and, and, and all of that, I, I really feel like it was, much more, it, was, it was much more simple than that. I don't, 
I don't, I don't know if you, I don't, I don't know if you've ever tried to write something in the dirt, but I feel like if I had to write all that stuff, I would have to like get all over the, because you can't read it. You know what? I don't know. Am I the only one that's ever tried that? Writing in the dirt or something? Like you got to write it big to see. And if he's writing all that, like how much time was in between this? He's like writing a paragraph or something. I think it was much more simple than that because Jesus loved people. And he loved people. And I think if, if you've ever maybe dealt with, with, a, with a child, with a kid that's, that's embarrassed and is in trouble, and, and they feel isolated and, and on their own. There's really an, an, a, a way of just getting down on their level like this. And you come on their level that can ease them and can, and can ease them back. And I think, I think part of the reason for Jesus getting down and drawing in the dust, I don't, I don't think he was writing some dissertation in the dirt necessarily. I think he was probably, he could have just been drawing like the Jesus fish. <laughs> Something like that, which is called an ichthus, by the way. And maybe he was just drawing that. Maybe he was working on some kind of picture. But I really think that he got down on her level so that he could look at her and let her know that it was going to be okay. And that he could come down and, and look at her and, and, and let her know that, that this was going to be handled, but to ease her embarrassment and to ease her discomfort a little bit. I think it, honestly, I think it was as simple as that. And isn't it interesting that the finger of God wrote back in the Old Testament, wrote into the stone tablet, thou shalt not commit adultery. It says the finger of God wrote that. And 2,000 years later, in an instance where this is being applied, we see the finger of God writing again in the dirt. Let's continue on in verse 7. It says, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and, and wrote in the dust. He clearly had to finish his drawing. As, as an artist, I, I can appreciate that because here's the other thing. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I, I find sometimes my mind works well when I can just doodle and I can keep myself calm and maybe that's a little bit of the artist in me, but I also love that God's first job description back in the book of Genesis was artist. And here we see him drawing again and, and writing in the dirt but the Jewish law witnesses to this capital crime had to begin the stoning. And so what Jesus was saying here was like, okay, so we have to execute her, fine. Let the person who, let, let those who saw this happen, go ahead and begin. Go ahead and begin, um, and let's, let's do this right. So who among you um, decided, witnessed this crime, decided to drag this woman out here, and not the man as well, by the way. Can we just say that, right? Amen, ladies. Um, that, you know, where was the guy in this? Is he completely, like, innocent of all of this? It takes two to tango. So <laughs> they decide to drag this woman out here and humiliate her and rip her hope from her future completely away. And again, Jesus stays calm and draws in the dirt and puts everybody in their place with just a few simple sentences, brings things back around to what really matters. Let's keep going. It says, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, till only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. 
Go and sin no more. See, Jesus actually addresses her. When he does address her, he, he addresses her with the same word that actually he used to refer to his mom in John chapter 2, verse 4, if you look at the original language there. So he wasn't talking down to her. He was talking to her, but he wasn't talking down to her. He also wasn't saying adultery is fine, so don't hear that. He wasn't saying that it's cool. He addressed it. He addressed her sin, but he addressed her sin in a way that gave her hope which is how I know each and every one of us would want our sin to be addressed to us, and that is the way that Jesus does address it to us. He loves us where we are, but loves us too much to let us stay there, and that's what he did here. He reacted to the hypocrites that wanted to kill the woman, and, and he used this word condemn. Did not even one of them condemn you? Jesus chose his words very carefully, and so this word condemn actually means a very strong disapproval means a very strong disapproval. And our Heavenly Father approves of us and loves us. And you need to hear that. I think there's some people here and watching online that need to hear that, that your Heavenly Father approves of you and, and loves you. Those who are in Jesus, they are not condemned. They will not be condemned and they cannot be condemned. Jesus never will, never has, and won't ever disapprove of you. He condemns our sin, but he will never condemn you. And that is a big difference that we need to understand. Yes, he condemns your sin. No, he doesn't just let it go and say, well, it's okay that you did that. But he never condemns you. He condemns your sin. He says, stop looking to your past and put your hope in the future because of me. Stop going back to your past and start putting your hope in the future because of me. And it changed her world forever in this moment. And so let's talk about you. Let's talk about me. Because I believe that 2020 has made a lot of us feel a lot like this woman did in, in many ways. It made us feel like we've been drug out in front of everybody in, in, in some ways. And in some ways, it's, it's the opposite, where we've been shoved into our house and not allowed out, not allowed out kind of thing. But but where we felt maybe put on trial and, and felt like we've all been a bit condemned or, or felt disapproval. And Jesus is saying, don't focus on your past. Put your hope in Jesus' future. Don't focus on your past. Put your hope in Jesus' future. Now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't learn from our past. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't, um, you know, move forward because of the things that we've done and, and learn our lessons from the past and, and even refer to those to, to help us use maybe some of the things from our past to bring glory to the Lord, but not, not to, to keep us back in spite of the, the hope of the future that we have because of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is saying to us, stop looking to the past and put your hope in my future. He will never disapprove of you. Hear that. He will never disapprove of you he will condemn your sin, though, because he loves you. And that's, that's a difference right there. He will never disapprove of you, but he will condemn your sin because he loves you too much to not. So you're not okay to just sit in your filth. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he's never going to disapprove of you as a person, disapprove of who you are. He says, go and sin no more. There was definitely a moment in my life that, that I needed to hear that. And I needed to hear it in, in this way. And I finally did. And, and I think some of us, 
may need to hear that as well. Because I was, I'd, I'd felt disapproval. I'd felt that I had disappointed God and disappointed maybe those around me and was just a disappointment and in, in, in a lot of ways and focusing on, on things from my past and mistakes that I had made and letting those run me into the ground and, and tear down my hope. Instead of hearing the words of Jesus, because I had heard this story many times, but when I finally got to the point where I heard this in the way in which I did to really hear the words of Jesus saying, I'm, I don't condemn you, I condemn your sin, so go and sin no more. And once I heard that, and I really heard that, and got my head around that, I had purpose and direction, and God took it from there. Look at what Paul says here about hope. In Romans chapter 15, he says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot to learn from in that verse. God is the source, and we have a no-so hope, not a hope-so hope. We're not just hoping that things are going to be better in, in that kind of way. We, we know because of the hope that we have in Jesus that things are, are going to move forward and that things will be better in light of what Jesus says it looks like when things are better. And let that fill you with joy and peace through the power of the Holy Spirit because we have a heavenly future to look forward to. We know that. Look at this quote from Teresa of Avila. said, in light of heaven, the worst sufferings on this earth will be seen to be no more serious than one night in an inconvenient hotel. Think about that. I don't know if you've ever stayed in a hotel that ended up being like a little bit like, ooh, boy, I didn't think this was what this place was going to be like. I know I have. But I'll tell you what, I haven't focused on that. Yeah, I was not happy about that, and I was thankful we you know, made it out and all of that. But at the same time, like I, this is probably the first time I've thought about that since, since then because I moved forward with it. And yeah, it was a bump in the road, but you know what? In light of heaven and in light of the eternal uh, home that we are going to have and the glory that we are going to give God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, where there is no COVID and none of the other junk that we are dealing with, in light of that, we are going to see this time, these last eight months and maybe a few more months after this, who knows what this is going to look like. It's all just going to be a blip of just like one night at an inconvenient hotel when it's all said and done in light of the hope that we have in the future because of Jesus. He is going to return. He's going to return soon. And as we wait, let's celebrate the birth of Jesus. Let's celebrate the hope that we have and who he is and the future that we have because of him. And, and the miracle of the birth of Jesus is, is the reason that your soul has value. Do you get that? The reason your soul has value, the miracle of the birth of Jesus is, is the reason for that. The reason that we are never overtaken by the darkness, or at least we shouldn't be, is because of the hope we have in Jesus. The reason that of, the, the, of the thrill of hope that we can have that still causes us to, to have anticipation and excitement about the future as we think about how much he loves us, the reason for this season is the confident hope for the future because of Jesus. God is not leaving us hang out to dry. He's not leaving us hang out to dry. He is not done with Connect Church. He is not done with his church, not by a long shot. And as long as we are still here, which we are, 
we are, as, as far as I'm concerned with Connect Church, we are just getting started and we have just barely scratched the surface of what God wants to do with this amazing body of believers that we all get to be a part of. And I am so excited for what we're gonna do moving forward and what God is going to do through us and with us moving forward. And that may not look like what we think it's gonna look like. It may not look like what I think it's gonna look like. It may not look like what you think it's gonna look like. It's gonna look like what God wants it to be. And it's gonna be an amazing thing to be a part of and each and every one of us get to have a part of that and a part in that as we move forward. And how do I know that? How do we know that? Because of the hope that we have in Jesus. And what is that hope? That is the light in the darkness. Because the darker the night, the brighter the light. And I don't know about you, but looking out into this world, it's, understatement of the day, it's getting a little bit darker, yeah? And we have the light of Jesus as we move forward. As, as we talked about and we went through in the book of Acts and we looked at the early church and it started, you want to talk about a grim times for the church to thrive. The church of Jesus thrives when times seem the darkest and maybe seem the worst. We have opportunities now that we would not have had even a year ago. And I'm excited for God to be able to use each and every one of us to reach our community and to reach this world and to connect people to Jesus because of those opportunities that we have. After Jesus looked at this woman and said, go and sin no more and set her free, as I hope each and every one of you have been set free by Jesus and, and maybe feeling that a little bit more today than, than you have. But he sets this woman free and then he turns and addresses the crowd in the very next verse. So remember, wherever Jesus went, there was always a crowd. And there was always a crowd around him. And here's what he says. Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The light that leads to life. And this is the essence of our hope for the future. This is the essence for our hope for the future. Because following Jesus from darkness into light, that leads to life. And it's all because of Jesus. So our connection point for this morning and our last connection point for the year is this. We have hope for the future because of Jesus. It's as simple as that. We have hope for the future because of Jesus. The hope that we have for what is to come in 2021 is not in government, it's not in pandemic relief, it's not in vaccines, it's not in finances, it's not in me, and it's not in you, it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus and Jesus alone, and our hope is not in wishful thinking, it's not a wishful thinking kind of hope, it's in Jesus and it's in his vision. It's in his vision for what he wants to do with us and through us, and if we can really focus in on that and hone in on that and really get our hands around it, it will turn our world upside down and it will turn your world upside down. And that's actually what we're gonna talk about next week. As we're ending the year with the words of Jesus, we're gonna begin the next year with the words of Jesus. And that's what the series is called, Turn Your World Upside Down. And when Jesus turns your world upside down, then you're in the perfect position to help turn our world upside down. Let me end with this passage in Revelation because as, as we look 
to our heavenly future. Let this be an encouragement to you. Revelation 22, three through five says, no longer will there be any curse or any COVID. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp, the light of the sun. The Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. The resurrection gives us hope. Jesus is our hope. But if you don't take that hope and do something with it, then you're selling yourself short of what God has for you. I hope that you will take that hope and lean into your heavenly father. Will you stand with me? We're gonna close 2020 together with worship. I think it only makes sense for us to worship the Lord as we go out of here today. So we've got a little extended worship today than we would normally have, which I think is cool. But if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have the hope of Jesus, whether you're here or you're watching online, what a great way to end the year is to put your complete and utter trust in him. Not just some of your trust, but all of it. And trust him for eternal life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this amazing year that we have had. Lord, things have not gone the way that we thought they would. That's for sure. But Lord, you knew. You knew what was coming. You knew what was happening. And Father, I, I thank you so much for the amazing things that we've seen during this year. I thank you for the way in which you have taken something so grim, so out of the ordinary and so strange that we didn't even know how to handle, Lord, and you handled it. And you did awesome stuff through it, and you're going to continue to do awesome stuff. And Lord, I pray that we can just be faithful and we can be obedient as your church to reach this world and to connect people to you, connect people to community, and connect people to purpose. Father, the hope that we have is because of you, and our hope for the future is because of you. And so let us lean into that today. And Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, if there's one that is watching online that doesn't know you, God, I pray that they would put their, their faith and their trust in you right now. They would admit that they're a sinner, believe that you are who you say you are, because we know you are. And Lord, confess that to you and ask you to come into their life and save them. Father, we give you the praise and the worship today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.